Hey, this is Dr. Mike Barnett. It is an awesome privilege to fill the pulpit every Sunday at the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Having you listen to our messages on this podcast is an incredible blessing as well. And I pray that you will be encouraged in the Lord as you listen. It is vital that you commit yourself and your family to the Lord through the ministry of a local church. While it is a great blessing to have you listen to our messages, no one will be able to minister the Word of God to you and your family like a local pastor. So please do not consider this podcast as a replacement for your presence in your local church on Sunday. Be faithful, get connected, and God bless. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 1 and verse 42. John chapter 1 and verse 42. John 1, verse 42. If you're ready for the reading of the Scriptures, say amen. Amen. Here we go. Verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. That's the text. He brought him to Jesus. You can memorize that, can't you? He brought him to Jesus. In June of 1917, the great preacher George W. Truitt, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas from 1897 to 1944. Now, I want you to look at that picture up there. I never met George Truitt. He died long before I was born, about 20 years before I was born. He kind of looks stern in that picture, doesn't he? Kind of looks rough. That's how preachers used to take their pictures. But I want to tell you now, he was very much of a gentleman. Everything I've ever read about him and, and learned of him, uh, he was very much of a kind and gracious pastoral type gentleman. But his picture looks kind of stern. So I just kind of wanted to tell you that so it doesn't turn you off, you know. But um, in June of 1917, he preached a sermon across the way in Fort Worth, brother. And um, the sermon was entitled, A Quest for Souls. A Quest for Souls. And apparently that sermon had a great impact throughout the years. Some of my heroes, uh, somebody told me one time when you're in the ministry, and I guess it's true of every field, when you're in the ministry though, when you get into your 50s, your heroes start to die. Well, many of my heroes are all gone. There's a couple of them left, and they're, they're aged men. But um, in interviews and in reading about them, the question may be asked, what is one sermon that impacted your ministry and your Christian walk more than any others? Now, I wish I could tell you mine was a quest for souls. Mine was not. Mine was... Uh, a sermon preached in the uh, 80s entitled uh, A Baptist and His Bible by Jerry Vines. That was one of my keynote, life-changing, encouraging sermons. But uh, most of my old heroes will tell you that sermon, A Quest for Souls, is what 
encouraged them and inspired their ministry and had an impact on their ministry more than any other sermon. So I went and read it a number of years ago, and I went and read it again recently. And it did have a great impact. In its own line, it's uh, no longer under copyright. You can get it online. I want to encourage you, A Quest for Souls, to read that sermon. And in this message, George Truitt dealt with what Baptist churches, what Baptist people used to call personal work. Personal work. And it is a term referring to what our challenge is coming up in 2023 that we're dealing with in these weeks to keep you informed and encourage and motivate you in personal work. And our challenge is called, Who's Your Mission? And that's what it's all about, is personal work. You personally involved in personal evangelism having a mission to win to Christ in the year 2023, going for it, going all the way for it. I want to give you a few quotes from that sermon, and um, hopefully they'll encourage you a little bit. Uh, uh, Truett said, The bringing of a soul to Jesus is the highest achievement possible to a human life. The bringing of a soul to Jesus is the highest achievement possible to a human life. He also said in that sermon, The supreme ambition of every church and for every individual Christian should be to bring somebody to Christ. He also said, Every Christian, no matter how humble, can win somebody else to Christ. Every Christian, no matter how humble, can win somebody else to Christ. And then he said, there can be no substitutes for personal work. Jesus is depending on his friends to get his gospel made known to a gainsaying and unbelieving world. He is dependent on his friends. That is his own divinely appointed method. There can be no substitutes for personal work. Life must must make impact upon life. Life must make its impact upon life. I agree with every one of those quotes. Last week we considered Matthew 28, 19, and 20 and heard from the Lord our great commission to personal work, to be personally involved in this work. Last week, the invitation and the appeal that we gave and the challenge that we gave that we laid out uh, involved asking you and challenging you to commit to six things. Number one, will you, we closed out with this, today we open it up with it, will you rededicate yourself to placing yourself under the Lordship of Jesus? In giving the last instruction he gave to the church and hence to individual Christians, to you and me individually and to us as a church, Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And that means we must submit to the Lordship of Christ and be obedient to the Great Commission. Number two, we challenge you this. Will you pray and ask God to burden you 
with one soul, at least one soul. Doesn't have to be one, but at least one soul for the year 2023. Somebody that needs to be saved now. If they died now, they would go to hell. They need to be saved now. And ask God to burden you with one soul for 2023. Number three, we challenge you to make that person your personal commission, your personal mission, to take them on. Fourthly, we ask you to put them on the list. We're going to have a list in our church. And on that list, we're going to have the missionary's name. That'd be you and their mission and any notes that we might need to know. Now, we're not going to post this list on the front doors of the church. And we're not going to advertise that list. It's going to be for the church family. But we're going to have prayer gatherings for that list. We're going to pray for you, the missionary, and we're going to pray for your mission. We're going to do it on Wednesday nights when activities are done and continue with the activity of prayer. And we're going to ask you to do that, and that helps us to be on mission together. If you don't want the name known, I know, see, I'm I'm talking about stuff like this because I know when you talk about giving and tithing and soul winning and personal work, people find a way to back out. And they'll say, well, I have a mission, but I'm going to keep it private. And it's really their way of saying, I'm not going all out with this. So if you want to put three question marks in the letter C, go ahead and put three question marks in the letter C so we can pray for three question marks in the letter C. Amen? You need to keep that name private. Amen. That's a good challenge whether you like it or not. Number five, will you commit to pray for the missions of your church family? Not just for yours, but for others. You know, the Bible describes the church as a family. When one has a burden, we all have a burden. And we need to pray. And then, and and by the way, I I gave you what I'm going to do, and it's more than what we're asking you to do. If I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead. And I want to lay it out and tell you I'm going to do more, but I will pray for your, your mission and you. And I will go with you and be with you every time in any way I can help for your mission, for you to reach your mission. And then number six, will you make this commitment formal on January 22nd, 2023? We're going to have um, cards and we're going to have a a display that helps us know the number of people that we're praying for and who we're after and um, who God God has burdened us with. And it's going to be real neat. It's going to be before the people. We got to keep this alive uh, before the people. So you're going to be hearing about it. You say, preacher, I may get tired of hearing about it. Well, I want to tell you something. I won't get tired of talking about it, so don't you get tired of hearing about it. Amen. That's good, too. This is what personal work looks like. And this morning, we're going to hear from God's Word about the personal of personal work. We're going to hear about the connections that you can have, that you do have in terms of personal work. And when I say personal work, I'm talking about That soul out there that God wants you to win to Christ. That God wants you 
to be the mission, the missionary for. And in personal work, we can never get away from the wonders and the power of the providence of God. The providence of God is one of the greatest and sweetest, moving, awe-inspiring attributes, if you will, of our Heavenly Father. His providence never ceases to amaze us. If I've heard this phrase one time, I've heard it a thousand times. And it is this. Woo! This is a God thing. You ever heard that? Boy, when God just does something like it, it just shocks the daylights out of you. And it just, you go, just wow, this is an incredible, this is a God thing. There's a pencil on the floor I'm going to roll over and fall out on if I don't get rid of. Jay, the music people throw pencils all over the place. Anyway, is there ever a time, you just see God work in such a way and you just are overwhelmed and you just give praise to God right there. Well, personal work works within the realm of being a God thing, of the providence of God. You know, the problem with that is, though, we're always surprised. We're always shocked. Um, I want to tell you, though, if you will commit to personal work and get a mission, you will not be without the providence of God. If you will get a mission, you will not be without the God thing. And you will be overwhelmed with a sense of worship and blessing. I'd venture to say that the providence of God and the God thing is already at work. But we have trained ourselves to be so surprised at the culmination when God does something glorious that we blind ourselves to seeing His work all along. Right? We miss out out on God things because we don't look at our connections, everyday connections, as a God thing. We have to wait, or we've trained ourselves to wait until something glorious happens before we recognize that it's a God thing. But I'm telling you that that person you work with in the next office or the cubicle or the classroom or what have you over that you have a friendly relationship with, nothing outstanding has happened yet. I want you to know that's a God thing. That's a connection God brought into your life. That's already God at work. So start getting amazed. We're not going to leave here this morning until you're amazed. Amen. Already get amazed at it. That God has brought somebody to you or has brought you to somebody or a mixture of both that's lost and hell-bound and needs a gospel witness and you're it. And that person's your mission and you're going to commence to working and loving and engaging to the point where that big God thing happens and you're able to open up the Bible and say, did you know? And you can win them to Christ. 
and keep on going. Well, when we first put this out, Who's Your Mission? Last week, we were just, uh, I was just overwhelmed. Now, I'm going to be honest. Can I just be totally honest with you? You know, when I ask a question like that, you want to say, well, have you not been honest with us? Well, I have been. I'm going to be honest now. Whenever God gives somebody, a pastor or something like this, he gets a little nervous. He wonders if his people are going to participate. He really does. And so he spends a lot of time in prayer, and he, he uh, spends, has a lot of nerves. He eats his fingernails down to nothing. And, uh, I mean, he gets nervous about it. And uh, so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a pastor, you're a church, and I was. All right? That's just how it is. I'll be honest with you. Well, I want to tell you, after last week, I got so many emails and so many calls and people stopping me when they'd see me in town or Wednesday night, and they would say, Pastor, I got my mission. I'm praying about my mission. I'm praying. So I told the staff on Tuesday about that. And so we're going to be putting those cards out early before January. We're still going to have a formal commitment day on January 22nd. But we're going to start getting those cards out early. So we're getting ahead of schedule. Isn't that wonderful? I love being ahead of schedule. And so we're going to get ahead. But I want to tell you what. I've had, we've had people contact us through the website. And uh, you're here. I, I'm looking at some of you. And you're saying, that's my mission. That's my mission. And that just proves that there's always been a God thing with you and a providence of God with you in connecting you uh, to people. Well, in our text, we have more than one line he brought them to Jesus. We have about the connections. And I want to just give you a little bit of encouragement about who could be your mission, who your mission could be. Now, there's a whole lot of these, but I'm going to give you three because we only have time for three, all right? And... Uh, I don't want to overbear, but these basic three, I mean, this, this is the basic three. And so, first of all, I want you to see there's the providence of family connection. There's the providence of family connection. Look at chapter 1 of our text in verse 35. On the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and follow Jesus. Boy, I want to tell you what, that's every Christian's idea is for somebody to hear you speak and they follow Jesus. Well, nonetheless, and the two disciples heard him speak and follow Jesus. And when Jesus turned and noticed them following, he said to them, What do you seek? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and I, you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard him, heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Andrew is introduced to us here. Andrew, if you will, notice, if you will read in the Gospels, you will always notice something about Andrew. 
He's always bringing people to Jesus. Every time He is mentioned by name in and of Himself, He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. He's an amazing disciple. And His first convert to Jesus was His brother Peter. His name was called Simon at the time. But Andrew was brought to Jesus, introduced to Jesus, and followed Jesus, and then went and got his brother, Peter. You can, in essence, say that Peter became Andrew's mission. And it is the providence of a family connection. Let me ask you a question. Who in your family needs Jesus today? Who in your family is without Christ? Who in your family needs to be born again and needs to be saved? And needs to be forgiven so they can go to heaven when they die. Perhaps you have a brother who needs Jesus. Perhaps you have a child, a teenage child who needs Jesus. Maybe an adolescent who needs Jesus. And they need Jesus now. Because they're at that age where they, have, they know they've sinned. And they know can, they can make a moral decision. And you need Jesus. They need Jesus today. Maybe you have a parent that needs the Lord. I know many people who have come to Christ and their parents didn't raise them in a Christian home. Their parents are still lost and without Christ. It's a great burden. Maybe they can be your mission. They should be your mission. Maybe uh, you have a grandparent. Maybe it's a spouse who's lost and without Christ. And they need Jesus today. Who in your family needs to be your mission And you know they need to be saved. And you're serious about their salvation. You're having an opportunity at your church right now to focus on them and to be encouraged and challenged toward them and to have your whole church family behind winning your loved one to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who in your family needs to be your mission? So I would encourage you in starting your mission, whether you have one, two, or three, ever how many. If you want four, you can have four. You can have as many as you want. But I would encourage you to start in your family. God placed you as a kin folk to them. Providentially, before the foundation of the world, God put you in that person's family. You know what? You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your kin folk, can you? Now, boy, we could go a lot of ways with that. But I want to tell you something. God put you in that family. And they need the Lord. The Bible says in verse 41, Andrew first found Simon. And Simon would become Peter, the rock, and God would do a great work in his life. And you got to admit, I'm so glad Andrew led Peter to Jesus. He made the New Testament a whole lot more interesting. (laughs) Peter is... I mean, Peter's one of those kind of guys, you're so glad to have him around, but sometimes you want him to go away, amen? Well, old Peter, he's got it, and God saved him, and God grew him up and used him in a great way. Peter, Andrew didn't know this, but Peter would become the preacher that preached the very first sermon in the church. Isn't that amazing? Acts chapter 2. And Peter would go on, not Andrew... But Peter would go on and give us two New Testament books that we just finished with months ago. And so I want to tell you what, your mission can start in your home if there's somebody who needs Jesus in your home. 
Years ago in my last church, there was a, there was a, a, a family, a, a husband and wife. He, um, he was not a Christian. He became a Christian before he died, uh, just before he died. But um, they had two sons, and one of them was a wonderful Christian man, a, a great Christian gentleman, a good layman. To this day, they're dear, dear friends of mine and wonderful Christian. And he had a brother. And you've heard the phrase, the black sheep of the family? You ever heard that phrase? Well, this brother was that. And uh, he, um, he didn't, um, didn't know the Lord, didn't serve the Lord. And uh, boy, his mama, every Sunday would say, pray for him, pray for him, and give me his name, pray for him, pray for Clyde, pray, pray for him. I'm praying for him. Oh, he needs the Lord. Well, one day he came home. On a holiday, and it was, I remember to this day, it was a drizzling rain, and uh, it was kind of cold, and I drove up, I, I saw that he was home, so I drove up their long driveway, and in their driveway, we got to talking, and I said, Clyde, your mama prays for you, and prays for you to be saved, you need the Lord, you need to be saved, when you want to give your life to Christ, and he said, right now, he knelt down in the mud, and he got saved, and to this day, he's on the mission field. God saved him, and he gave him a family, and he went on the mission field. You don't know where God could use your baby brother. You don't know what God can do if you would make them your mission, and God can save them and where they'd be in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? It's the family connection. It's the providence of God. Second of all, we have the providence of friendly connections. Of friendly connections. Now, folks... God has, in His providence, given you at least, boiled down to the bare facts, He's given you two kinds of friends. Two kinds of friends. He's given you just two. I'm not sure He's going to give you more than these two. He could. You could come up with a different type of friend, I'm sure. But so far, He's given, I I just see two kinds of friends. First of all, you have old friends. Aren't old friends wonderful? Old friends from high school days. Some of you graduated high school 50 years ago, and you got old friends of this day. You know, I graduated about five years ago, and I still have some old friends. That's a, that's a dirty lie. All lies are dirty, and that's one of them. Well, let's look and see something about an old friend. Look at verse 43. On the next day, he decided to go into Galilee. Jesus decided to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to Philip, and Jesus said to Philip, follow me. And look at verse 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip was from the same city, and I can just imagine that they were old friends. I wonder, as Jesus said, hey, I want to go go, um, into Galilee, if Andrew looked at Pete and said, hey, uh, baby brother, listen to me. Um, You remember old Philip? Yeah, I remember Philip from high school. He was a running back, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, you remember him. His mama was so-and-so, and and Andrew said, Peter, I'm not going to talk about his mama. I've got to tell you something more important than that. He's in town. He needs to be saved. 
He's an old friend, and if we're going to be good friends, old friends, we need to get Jesus to him. And I just wonder if, if because of that behest and that request, they would go see Philip, and Jesus would say, Follow me, Philip. And Philip would become a Christian and follow the Lord. Perhaps there's some old friends that you have that you might see once a year at a high school reunion, but you may keep in touch with them. Social media is a wonderful way. By the way, you want to you clean out your friend list on social media? Start talking about Jesus, and they'll drop you. Some of them will drop you. I had a few drop me. But there's old friends that you need to win to Jesus. Folks, they're good. I know they're good people. I know they grew up in the same culture you did. But I want to tell you, if they don't know Jesus as their Savior and they had not been born again, they're going to die and go to hell. And their morals are going to go with them. Their kindness is going to go with them. That friendship's going to go with it. You need to win them to Jesus. Perhaps an old friend will be your mission because of that providential connection. A few years ago, I couldn't sleep one night and I got up and it was kind of late and I got up and I went into the, to the sitting room and I was doing a little reading and my phone rang. And it was a number I didn't recognize. And it was a number from the Carolinas. Well, if you're anything like me, sometimes I answer those calls and sometimes I don't. It was kind of late at night. It wasn't extremely late, but it was kind of late for me. So I answered it. I answered it. And it was my good friend, old friend from high school named Johnny. And he said, Mike, is this you? I said, yeah, it's me. I said, how'd you get my number? Who are you? He said, I'm Johnny. Johnny Cantu, you remember? I said, yeah. Johnny, how'd you get? He said, well, it's, uh, you messaged me a while back when we connected on social media, and I, 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 I just wanted to call you. I said, well, where are you? He said, man, I'm heading, I'm heading through uh, going home to Texas from the, some South Carolina or something. And he said, I just got to thinking about you. He said, I want to call you and tell you something. I said, what? He said, I've been saved. I know Jesus is my Savior. And I said, Johnny, that's wonderful. Man, tell me all about it. And he told me about the, the connection with his daughter who become a Christian. There's your family connection. And he came to the Lord. And I said, well, what about your church? Where are you going to church? He said, well, we go to an Assembly of God church. And I thought, boy, if I'd only had, if I'd only be been, if I'd only failed a couple of years and been with him longer in high school, I could have made him a Baptist. Amen. But, but that's all right. I'm not worried about that. Praise the Lord. But he got saved. Isn't that something? Old friends. And you got old friends that need the Lord. Also, go down to verse 45, and it says, Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so there you have current friends. Philip goes and tells, the old friend goes and tells the current friend, hey, we found Jesus. And so maybe one of your friends, somebody you need to uh, connect with in the Lord, maybe they're at work. Maybe they're in um, school, your school, and they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're the one. That's the connection. That's the providential connection. One more I won't give you, 
and we got to leave the Gospel of John and go over to Luke chapter 19. And I call this the providence of former connections. Former connections. Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1. And he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on beforehand and climbed into a sycamore tree. Remember that little song? Climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the tree, to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come on down, hurry and come down. For I will abide in your house today. And he hurried and came down and received Jesus gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble. He's gone into the house of a tax collector. Isn't that just like some people? But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my goods, Lord, I give to the poor. And if I have extorted anyone of anything, I will give him back four times as much. Now, he was a tax collector. He probably spent the rest of his life returning money. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus and his disciples had left Galilee, and they were heading to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he would be crucified. This is late in the earthly ministry of Jesus. He's going to the cross is where he's going. And um, the shadow of the cross is heavy upon him. Just three years prior, he saved Andrew. And Andrew led Peter to Christ. And Andrew and Peter led Philip to Christ. And Philip brought Nathaniel to Christ just three years before. He had saved these men. And amongst them, he had also saved a tax collector by the name of Matthew. Remember him? He would write the first gospel. And old Matthew, the tax collector, a cheat, a liar, a traitor to the Roman Empire, a hater of his people, and his people hated him. And God saved him. And I just wonder perhaps if they're passing through and the Bible seems to indicate as you put all this together from the four Gospels that Jesus was going to bypass Jericho. That he was going to go, he was going to take the loop and go around Jericho so he wouldn't go through Jericho. And the Bible says in chapter 18 verse 35 just above Luke 19, it happened as Jesus was approaching Jericho on the outskirts of town The Bible says a blind man was sitting by the road and this man received his sight and came to the Lord. And I just wonder in all the hustle and bustle at that time if the former born-again saved tax collector walked up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know we're going to Jerusalem and I know we want to get there for the feast and I know we're on our way and I know it's, it's going to be a hassle. But Jesus... My former connection, my former boss, the chief tax collector, his name's Zacchaeus, the one that trained me and mentored me in the tax collecting business. He lives in Jericho. 
Can we go see him? I want to bring you to him, and I want to bring him to you. And I just wonder if one old former tax collector who had gotten saved brought Jesus to another tax collector who needed to be saved. Somewhere between verses, chapter 18 and verse 43 and chapter 19 and verse 1, Matthew recognized that providential connection of former connections, former employers and former employees, former co-workers, former friends, former students, former neighbors, people who have passed through our life and we don't see them every day. And Matthew recognized that connection and saw the opportunity being right by Jericho to bring him to Jesus. Maybe old Matthew ran to the front of the line and said, Lord, let's go into Jericho. My former boss is in there and he needs to be saved. I imagine everybody was okay with that. I imagine old Peter said, yeah, let's go. Good, let's go. I imagine Andrew said, man, yeah, there's a lost soul in there. Let's go. I think the only one who got upset about it and rolled his head, eyes in the back of his head and got frustrated was a fellow by the name of Judas. I don't think inconvenience bothered any of them, except maybe Judas. The operative word being think, I don't know that in Scripture. But old Matthew said, Jesus, the former bureau chief of the RRS, the Roman Revenue Service, is in there. Let's go. And they bypassed what they were going to bypass. And they bypassed the bypass and went through town. And the rest is history. There's even a little ditty written about him, about Zacchaeus. So maybe you have some former connections that you need to recommit with and you see from time to time who need Jesus. Maybe they need to be your mission. Maybe they need to be your mission. Well, I have some more connections that you have. Those are just three uh, with a few sub-points that, that for you to think about and pray about if you're going to want a mission. But before we leave, don't get ready to leave. I'm not, I'm not ready to go. I'm going I'm I'm to keep going. Listen, uh, there's some common ground about all these people that we talked about today, and there's some common ground with your mission. And when you were a mission, there's some common ground. Here it is. Number one, they all had somebody who loved them. They all had somebody who cared about them. They loved them and they loved the Lord enough to make them their mission. To not just let them die and go to hell without any effort. Somebody loved them. Also, every one of them was a response to prayer. You can ask anybody and everybody who's ever been saved and they're going to have two common components to their salvation. Number one, somebody praying for them. And number two, the Word of God. You can never win somebody to Christ without giving them the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And how shall they hear unless someone is sent with the Word? And that's you. That's why they're your mission. And then the third thing... They had a heart. These people had a heart prepared by the providence of God. God had prepared them. Before you get to them, God gets to them. And sometimes in God's providence, I've seen it Him bringing me uh, to them, and sometimes it's Him bringing them to me. But God always is involved beforehand, and He has their heart prepared in these connections you have. So what do you do? What do you do with all this? Well, let me, let me just give you this. 
and it's going to sound very familiar. Number one, will you rededicate yourself to placing yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Number two, will you pray and ask God to burden you with at least one soul? Somebody who needs to be saved now. Will you make that person your mission? Will you put them on the list so your church family can pray for them with you and we can pray together? Will you commit to pray for the missions of your church family, each other? And will you make this commitment formal on January 22nd, 2023? Will you? Will you? You say, preacher, you've asked us that twice today. Last Sunday once, when are you going to quit asking us? Soon as you give me a firm yes. Amen or oh me, huh? That's good preaching whether you like it or not. But I ask you to do one more thing. One more thing. You ready? Will you realize how special and unique and important and how equipped you already are and how blessed you are to be the very person, perhaps the only person, more than likely the only person, in that person's life who can win them to Jesus. Because God providentially put you in their life Not me. This whole idea is out of hell that says, well, witnessing and building the church and and winning people to Christ, that's the preacher and staff's job. That's a lie out of hell. It's a lie out of hell. Where'd you get that? You might say out of the Bible. That's exactly where you got it because it's certainly not in the Bible. But God, you are special. You are especially equipped to be that person's missionary, to win that soul to Christ, to bring them to Jesus. And God saw it before the foundation of the world. That's what providence means, pro-video, before it ever happens. He saw it and put you in their life, whether at work, in family, at school, wherever it may be. He puts you in their life. That means you are specially equipped, unique, you're the woman, you're the man, you're the saint of God, you're the Christian for the job. You're the Christian for the job. Providentially placed and providentially prepared and providentially equipped. So who is your mission? Who's your mission? Let's stand for our song of appeal. And as we bow in prayer, you might, I, I won't tell you folks, I, I'm just going to haul off and say it. I know, I know when you talk about soul winning and personal evangelism, people dismiss it and they, they don't want to be involved in it. They, really, they, I'm, I'm serious, they don't. And I don't know why. If you're saved and God has saved you and you're genuinely a Christian, I have no clue why you're that way. I really don't. I don't have a clue. Um, uh, backslidden, you got wrong theology somewhere, I don't know. I'm here to help you, though, uh, get past that and get, get it on the right biblical track. But, uh, but I want to tell you what, 
it may trouble you so much because you know what? You don't have anything to share. You can't share something that you don't have. Maybe you're not interested in sharing Jesus because you don't have Jesus. Maybe you're not interested in getting a mission because you need to be a mission. You ever thought about that? You can't preach something you don't have. You can't share something you don't have. And so my question is, are you 100% certain if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking you if you're a member of First Baptist Church or any other church. I'm asking you if you are 100% certain if you died today, would you go to heaven? And if not, I pray you'd come forward and say, Preacher, I want assurance. I want to be saved. And I want to know I'm saved. And we'll help you in the Lord. Maybe there's other decisions you need to make. You come as the Lord leads. We're here to help. Father, as I stand up front and as we sing, and I pray your Holy Spirit would move people who need to make a commitment, need to make a decision. It's your invitation for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You come as the Spirit leads. This is Cole Andrews, the family minister here at First Baptist Church, Ocean Springs. I want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into our podcasts and sermons today. We surely hope you have been blessed by the Word of God. I'd like to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com, to learn more about our church. We sure would love to see you in church on Sunday. May God bless you.